3: Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
4: We're on a timeline for two things, for sure, and that is the debt limit and also budget. We've probably been seduced by the notion that we can get off
3: fossil fuels much quicker than can happen. Bloomberg, sound on. Politics, policy, and perspective from DC's top names.
5: Fighting was as knowledgeable about the issues around affordable housing as anybody out there has ever been around. Excess government
6: spending always causes inflation. Inflation hurts the poorest families in this country.
3: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
2: They still have not called the race in New Jersey between Democratic Governor Phil Murphy and Republican Jack Gittarelli. Well, I wonder if they will during this fastest hour in politics. Welcome to the day after. Terry McAuliffe has formally conceded to Republican Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. And as I read on the terminal... Democrats get harsh 2022 wake-up calls from Virginia and New Jersey. Yes, the call coming from inside the House. We'll get into it in just a moment with Congressman Morgan Griffith, Republican from southwestern Virginia, looking very red this morning and very happy about Glenn Youngkin. Later, we'll talk to Jim Moran, former Democratic congressman from northern Virginia. And we have a lot to discuss with our panel. Good thing we have Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis along For the hour, the headlines have been tough today. Washington Post, races leave Democrats reeling. CNN, Biden arrives back in D.C. to a nightmare. The Drudge Report, dark night of the Dems, pretty heavy duty. As you just heard live in the last hour here on Bloomberg Radio, President Biden was asked about this race, the cause and effect, as he addressed reporters at the White House.
7: Mr.
0: President, given what you said, do you take some responsibility? And do you think that Terry McAuliffe would have won if your agenda had passed before election
6: day? Well, uh, I think we should have sh- should have passed before election day, but I'm not sure that I would be able to have changed the number of very conservative folks who turned out in the red districts who were Trump voters. But maybe, you maybe. Kind of no, I, I I know we did, but I we also. I was running against Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, she said you ran, you, you, you won by 10 points last time. Now this came after a night that Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin may not have even expected, even a month ago.
6: So I just want to thank all of you for what you have meant to us. I look around this room and I see so many friends we've worked with for many years. This is a different state. And
3: friends, we are going to start that transformation on day one.
2: Heard that a couple times today, haven't you? McAuliffe officially conceded this morning. I'm guessing Glenn Youngkin has not slept yet as the news sinks in that he actually won. After investing millions of dollars, incidentally, of his own money into his campaign, he turned the electoral map almost all red. And one of the strongest areas for Glenn Youngkin lies in Virginia's ninth congressional district, southwestern Virginia. And that's where we find Representative Howard Griffith. Congressman, welcome to Bloomberg. It's great of you to be here. You were once the majority leader of your state's House of Delegates, where, by the way, Republicans also made big strides last night. Did the political landscape in Virginia shift to the right in this election?
8: I, well, I think it, it clearly woke a lot of people up, the federal policies that, that are going on, the national trends of the Democrat Party uh, definitely woke a lot of people up that, that they needed to get out and vote if they wanted to make sure that, that we didn't become the California of the East. And uh, they showed up in larger numbers than they, they did, percentage-wise at least, I hadn't looked at the raw data. But even then, then for Trump, we got 87% in one county, 86 in another county. Uh, They were fired up. They were ready to go. But but we shouldn't under under underestimate the fact that Glenn Youngkin worked extremely hard and he was in those counties repeatedly throughout the campaign where most candidates in the past have written them off because they Mm -hmm. vote Republican. But They don't always turn out in the numbers they turned out in yesterday. We had record breaking for an off year election, record breaking numbers. And it was uh, it was magnificent.
2: You must know Terry McAuliffe who's already the, the governor once. What did he not understand about southwestern Virginia or any area outside of the progressive suburbs in your state?
8: Well, I think there were a couple of things that he that he missed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't understand that, uh, that he was out of touch with uh, parents, uh, but he clearly was. Um, so you had the national policies. Uh, and For example, four of my sheriffs uh, switched parties and became Republicans. Three were Democrats. One was an independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the national policy on, on, uh, defunding the police was a big a big issue. Education was a big issue. Terry McAuliffe never got it. And in all fairness, he, he just didn't really work Southwest Virginia at all. So you had one candidate who was down there saying, I need your help. We need you to be there for us. We can win this race. And another candidate who by and large outside of the interstate 81 corridor was absent.
2: It sounds to me that just blaming President Biden and, and his economic agenda is really not the whole reason why Terry McAuliffe lost, in your
8: eyes. Well, the way I look at it is, is that uh, there was a 12-point swing. Ten points of it was the economic policies and the general policies of uh, President Biden. The last two yeah. points was just uh, Terry McAuliffe being tongue-deaf to parents matter and parents care. And you just can't say, "Oh, you shouldn't worry about it." Uh, he he needed a better answer than that. Even on Sunday. Uh, He was still saying the same basic things and trying to make it out to be uh, racist. And if I got another second, let me talk about that. Because, you know, we elected Winston Sears, a a black immigrant uh, to lieutenant governor because of her conservative values. And Jason Meares. Republican uh, straight down the ballot. Yeah, but but he's also a Hispanic uh, individual. uh, But, you know, Terry McAuliffe kept calling us racist. And we had the most diverse ticket ever. And the conservatives voted for people who were conservative. And you got to state right down the right down the line, no matter what color they were, the conservatives voted for conservatives.
2: Well, what congressman would have happened if, say, infrastructure, and even reconciliation—let's say the whole Biden agenda passed Congress? You, you're a member of Congress. You understand this debate very well. And we keep yeah. hearing, we kept hearing over and over again, if something had simply gotten done, this might have gone differently. Would that have made a difference if if the agenda passed uh, it, Congress?
8: It would have made a difference. Uh, Glenn Youngkin would have won by five.
2: <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say that.
8: So people. I mean, that's what I, I believe it, would have happened.
2: It sounds to me, talking with you, that people don't have a good sense of exactly what the conversation is at the table in southwestern Virginia.
8: Well, the, certainly Washington, D.C. doesn't know what people are talking about in southwest Virginia. I mean, they doubled yeah. down today. They're now adding in, uh, raising the state and local tax deduction. My district is 422nd out of 435 in median household income, and they want us to underwrite the fat cats in New York City uh, and San Francisco for their real estate taxes, which are high because that's what they chose. Why should my folks have to pay for that?
2: You know, there are some, uh, there are some, some police and firefighters living in New Jersey who, who might phrase that a little bit differently. But how about then, Congressman, since you brought it up, how about a carve-out? Maybe maybe this shouldn't be just a one-size-fits-all policy nationally. How about those states uh, get a deduction and and you let the rest of the country deal with the the tax codes they have?
8: Well, if if the states had a better tax system, if the local governments had lower taxes, you wouldn't have this problem. The problem is is that the state and the local taxes are so high in New York and in New Jersey and some of the other areas, California, that, that people feel oppressed. Well, what they ought to do is they ought to feel that oppression and go to their local government and have them change their policies sure. instead of making people in rural Virginia have to pay so that they can have those high taxes in New York and New Jersey and California.
2: We're talking with Congressman Morgan Griffith, Republican from Virginia on Sound On. More broadly here, the 30,000-foot view, Congressman, is it, it seems like we're getting, we're getting an even greater uh, a, a disconnect between the rural areas of this country and the cities when it comes to the issues that matter to families. Do you feel further apart from Washington than ever?
8: I do think that's a fair uh, assessment. Um, and we're going to, as a nation, we need to try to figure out uh, and to have some understanding uh, both ways. But, but absolutely, I will tell you, uh, the people in my district feel like they're not heard by the folks in the big cities or in the capital of the United States in most cases, Uh, and that's why I'm speaking up for them.
2: Do you feel like you have a friend in Joe Manchin?
8: Well, Joe Manchin represents an area that's very similar to mine, Mm -hmm. and he and he actually understands. I don't always agree with him, but he actually at least understands what the issues are for people in this part of the world.
2: Well, I'll ask you then, Congressman, just to extend this uh, conversation. I hope they're not coming to get you. I hear the sirens.
8: They're not. Yeah. But no, very good. I, out, but I do wonder. I had to be outside because I knew I was going to get political. So I can't
2: do yeah. <laughs> I, I, we don't want to start any fights. At, 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 well, gosh, God forbid, no, no, wherever no. you are. Um, what, what's the future then for the Republican strategy in the midterms? Did Glenn Youngkin just find it? Does he have the recipe to beat Democrats nationwide?
8: He has part of it. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be some local uh, uh, tent to the discussion, but he certainly found a big part of it. People want to be safe. People want to be uh, secure in their in knowing that they can have some input uh, into their children's education. Uh, I think we we saw, you know, last night across the board, folks don't want the fund, don't want the police defunded, Um, you know, so people want to be safe. They want to be safe in their communities, and they want to know that they're going to be involved in their children's education. And if you want to cut the people out, then they're going to cut you out of office.
2: Congressman Morgan Griffith, we thank you for joining us. Republican from Virginia, southwestern Virginia, New River Valley, the Virginia side of the Tri-Cities. Used to be majority leader of the Virginia House of Delegates. And we get to hear from a Democrat now who knows Virginia and Terry McAuliffe very well. And that would be former Congressman. Jim Moran, the Democrat from Northern Virginia, Alexandria, Arlington County, Falls Church, longtime member of the Appropriations Committee, and it's great to have you, Congressman. Uh, what do you think about the outcome here? You've had a couple of hours to process all this. What, what Terry McAuliffe did wrong, or is it about what Glenn Youngkin did right in Virginia?
4: It's both, of course, and I'm glad to be on with my friend Morgan. I, I, he may have uh, left at this point, but uh, he's a good man. Uh, I don't think he could ever be defeated. He he drives yeah. for like six hours or something <laughs> every weekend to make sure that uh, he spends uh, the vast majority of his time with his constituents. He knows yeah. his constituents. He knows the state. and He's a good guy. Well, he so did I'm a great job
2: framing that part of your state. Help us understand your part of the state, I the will. progressive suburbs of Washington.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, even though we're quite different, uh, it's a much more affluent uh, part of the state, northern sure. Virginia, uh, in more jobs. Uh, generally, people have access to uh, better education. To, uh, most have a somewhat higher education uh, in terms of uh, college and postgrad. Uh, but um, they still want the same thing. Uh, uh, maybe not when they're living in apartments in the city, but when they have kids and they go to the suburbs, There are three things they want. It's just what Morgan said. First of all, they want to be able to live in a safe community. Mm -hmm. They don't want the police defunded. They need the police, and especially in minority communities, they depend upon the police. Secondly, uh, they want good schools, good schools that uh, uh, that are going to prepare their children for a better life than they have. Uh, They need to rely upon their teachers, their school board. And uh, and to know that their schools are well funded. And thirdly, okay. they want a responsive government or a government that gets it, that understands mm-hmm. them, that shares their values. And uh, and, and I think that uh, the Democratic Party has uh, has given the impression uh, through some of these, uh, you know, cold words and and, uh, <clears throat> and positions that uh, that someone particularly on the far left have taken that. Uh, we're not as concerned about safe neighborhoods uh, and the defund the police uh, effort, uh, particularly in those school systems where they took out the school resource officers. Some of yes. had to reinstate them. Uh, so, uh,
2: did Terry McCullough to spend too much time want, up north, like Morgan Griffith said?
4: Uh, well, up north is where the, most of the population is, and it's where the, the money is. Uh, in, in terms of education, Terry talked about you uh, 're putting more money into the educational system, but that 's not what people were most concerned about. for one thing, they needed the teachers to teach, mm. and there are too many students that have gone for eighteen months without being taught uh, and, and many of them are not computer savvy they don 't have access to computers or even uh, 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 parents who have the time to be able to read to them and uh, you know if you lose Basically, two years of schooling, you're not going to be marketable in the, uh, econ- the modern economy. And their, their parents know that. Uh, and uh, that's one of the reasons I was looking at the numbers. Uh, the, the, almost three quarters of non-college educated white women voted for Glenn Youngkin. Hmm. The majority had voted for for Joe Biden just last year.
2: Yeah.
4: But I suspect many of them are concerned that their kids are not getting the education
2: they deserve.
4: Or the um, education it's, 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 they don't want.
2: I guess we heard a lot about critical well, race theory. We heard a lot about of, gender and bathrooms, yeah. uh, Congressman.
4: Oh, I know. And, and uh, you know the the thing about this uh, transgender, what he called himself, Jim the Fluid, uh, a guy that, uh, uh, that raped one girl in one high school. It wasn't reported to police as it should have been. But uh, the, the the Democratic legislature was concerned about what they call a pipeline to prison. And so they said, you don't have to report these crimes. But then he goes to another school and rapes another girl. And the father, who raised holy heck before the school board, he gets behind bars charged with a felony for disruption uh, when this this, uh, uh, self-identified gender-fluid kid had been able to commit two crimes against two different girls. When people change their minds so radically... It's because they it's because of stories that they can relate to. And the stories that went through Loudoun County, which is a large populous county. It's the most affluent in the country. One of the best educated. uh, They were outraged at what was going on in this school system. And and they uh, they blamed the Democrats and somewhat rightfully so. Now, now Terry McAuliffe, uh, you know, he uh, he was uh, he aligned himself with the teachers union and and and. feeling that they represent the teachers i don't think necessarily they do but i i don't think they represented them very well i really think teachers were not the uh uh, they were not the heroes of the pandemic i I think they let many of our children down they should they were the first to get vaccinated they didn't want to find a way to educate kids but you know terry listen to this conversation we're having congressman
2: this yeah, is I um, mean, my God, a couple of years ago, you couldn't have imagined this conversation when you when you decided to to leave Washington to leave Congress a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, that was a pivotal moment for the Democratic Party, certainly locally here in the washington area ha- has Has the party become too woke? Has the party moved too far in one direction since you left it to to be something different?
4: I think the the uh, some of the people who are in the safest seats. Who often, sometimes they're minority seats, or they're they're, they're very uh, liberal constituencies. They uh, tend to be urban oriented. I think some of them have been pushing the envelope just a little too far, too fast. Uh, and and, and uh, a lot of them, you know, they're young kids that you know they don't have to worry about paying a mortgage. They're not as concerned about uh you know the things that i uh, i talked about are uh, taxes uh, uh uh you know kids' education the safe communities uh they get they get into these cultural issues and you know they they want to insist that people uh, after their signature they they put down him his or her hers or whatever right uh they uh, well, they want to uh, protect people who uh, uh, you know, have uh, have historically been discriminated against, but sometimes they do it in ways that uh, you know are, are not necessarily constructive or acceptable right. to the majority. Well, Congressman, uh, I'm it, sorry that I'm changes, I'm sorry I'm out of
2: time. Not... This is this has been a wild conversation. I never thought I would have this conversation with Jim Moran, former Virginia congressman, and uh, and a longtime fixture in Northern Virginia. Here, his take on what may or may not have happened over the last 24 hours. Uh, Let's assemble the panel. I need to learn something from Rick and Jeannie, Bloomberg politics contributors, Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. I don't even know where I am at this point. Uh, Jeannie, that was a that was quite a review of the Democratic Party on election night
0: that was and joe i don't know how you're still standing but god bless you you are you're going on adrenaline um that's definitely that,
2: hallucinating after
0: <laughs> all of that. it is you know it is fascinating to listen to both uh, both the congress congressman and the former congressman and you know i think they they make similar points which is something that we've been talking about which is that McCulloch really tried to nationalize this race and came up off to many voters not all but many voters being a bit tone deaf to the issues that they're dealing with right now whereas glenn youngkin was able to localize it and focus on what matters to people in the moment and i think this is something we're hearing about Congress, the Democrats in Congress as well. They're not addressing or talking about the issues people are going through right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of resonance there. And I think it's a huge moment for the Democrats to hopefully like, pay attention and to be able to adjust to what they learned last night.
2: Am I allowed to say that Rick called the race in Virginia? I think you, even, I, I think you nailed it, Rick, for starters. I'm going to give you credit for that. And I just wonder from Virginia to New Jersey, which still has not been called uh, this this sort of hangover, this letdown by the Democratic Party. When you're looking at the results from a year ago, are you going to attribute this to the to the Biden agenda, the lack of progress, the wokism in the Democratic Party? Where's your head right now?
5: Yeah, I, I think Congressman Griffith was was probably right. Right. I mean, like the, the 12 point swing since Biden won the state a year ago uh, that disappeared. Uh, this year uh, is probably attributable mostly to the Democrats, right? I mean, they—if—if—if Yunkin won the campaign, the Democrats were the primary contributing factor behind it, and—and—and—and and, and, and I think that because when you look at his results in Virginia and Citarelli's results in New Jersey, there—you—you you can't explain why they're so similar, right? Where uh, suburban voters in Bergen County and in New Jersey and. Northern Virginia voted for the Republican uh, really since the first time since since 2014 because they weren't Trump supporters in 2016 and, and not since then. So, so chalk one up for the Democrats. You, you keep doing the good work you're doing and the Republican Party will be nice and healthy in 2022. <laughs> oh, what do you say to that,
2: Jeannie? There's still an agenda that's on the table that could actually be passed. And Morgan Griffith says it would have been five points more for Glenn Youngkin if that had been the case.
0: Yeah. First of all, I have to say congratulations to Rick. I owe him a dinner now or something. I think that was the. <laughs> I, best, I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, listen, Joe. It's been a hard. It's been a hard 24 hours. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think that this, um, you know, it's important to look at. New Jersey in particular, where Biden was up 16. And, you know, a lot of people aren't familiar with some of the local leaders, but the Senate president, Steve Sweeney, has, you know, one of the most powerful people in the state for many years. He is on the verge of losing to a truck driver who spent $153 on his campaign. I mean, (laughs) that is the state, and I think that tells you this was about sending a message, I believe, to the Democratic Party that they are not listening to people on the ground, and you had a very energized Republican base and moderates and independents in both states trying to send that message. I also think that when you tell voters that their vote is going to send a message to Washington DC they take heed of that and I think that's what many voters did. They wanted to vote and send a message because when you're voting for this New Jersey truck driver Ed Durr this is means you're trying to send a message.
2: Morgan Griffith also said Rick that Terry Moran never came down, he just wasn't present, and Glenn Youngkin did a better job traveling the state. Is that a fair assessment?
5: Yeah, look, politics matters, campaigns matter uh, on the margins, right? I mean, when I look at the underlying turnout in Virginia's election, you had 40 municipalities and counties that performed uh, on turnout between 60 and 70 percent higher than in 2017 for Republicans, and two, for the Democrats. I mean, Democrats didn't show up. They were not motivated. They're not excited. Why the democratic leadership in Congress aren't sitting down today and saying, whatever we were selling to our constituents, hmm. we've been kidding ourselves. They aren't They aren't ready to be motivated by what we're saying and doing to actually turn out for an election and defend our priorities. So uh, I think there's really underlying fundamental issues here yeah. when you have that flat of a turnout in what has become a very nationalized election wow. uh, in the last few weeks.
2: Uh, would it have mattered if it was a different uh, Democrat running, Jeannie, or did Glenn Youngkin find the recipe?
0: You, you know, I think, uh, you know, he was a retread, McAuliffe is, and that's not yeah. a good thing, but I think Youngkin ran a great race and I think they were sending a message to Democrats. Get with it and listen to what's going on in our lives and address it.
2: Wow. The headline on the terminal, Biden says, Virginia election defeat shows urgency of his agenda. And you could look at it that way. We did hear from President Biden just about an hour ago. You heard the comments live on Bloomberg Radio. And interesting, or was it the other way around, as we heard from the congressman, Morgan Griffith, at the top of the hour? Would passing infrastructure and reconciliation have made it even worse for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia? Mark Rozell joins us, the dean of the shar School of Policy and Government. At George Mason University. Mark, thanks for being here. What do you think about that proposition? And to what extent are we overdoing the impact of whatever's happening on Capitol Hill, the Biden economic agenda and so forth, versus local issues, some of the cultural issues that we've been talking about determining the outcome last night in Virginia?
7: Yeah, And I'm glad you put it that way, because oftentimes the state and local elections are portrayed as having Uh, Much larger impacts on the national political scene uh, than they really do. And if you look at the Virginia race, for example, so much of the focus was on local public school education issues Mm -hmm. or the Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin talking about eliminating the gasoline tax or eliminating the grocery tax. Uh, He was really focused on sort of bread and butter issues that people care about in their daily lives. And whereas Terry McAuliffe, the Democratic nominee, was bringing in national political figures, one after another, to motivate the Democratic base. And he was focusing on sort of the bigger national issues uh, that played Talking about Jersey. Trump. Yeah, talking about Trump all the time. He was, he was trying to portray Glenn Youngkin as a Trump acolyte, hoping that the formula that succeeded for Democrats in Virginia the previous four years when Trump was in office would continue. But Trump is a diminished figure right now. He's not a threat. And the voters were really not focused on uh, pro or anti-Trump. They were focused on uh, really core issues that matter to them.
2: So you're suggesting, Mark, tell me if I'm wrong, that another Democrat or a different campaign actually could have beat Glenn Youngkin in Virginia.
7: I think that's absolutely right. I think if the McAuliffe campaign had put forth a much more positive message about what The former governor had achieved, he had a real record that he could point to, and what he would do as governor for the next four years, and why it would matter to Virginians to elect him instead of Glenn Youngkin, I think that could have been a winning formula. Um, Glenn Youngkin was very effective in capturing the Trump loyal base in the Republican Party and independent swing voters. And he largely did that by doing the classic pivot. In Republican politics. He ran to the right to get the nomination. Mm -hmm. He moved to the center or center right during the general election campaign. And while Terry McAuliffe was characterizing him as Trump-like, Glenn Youngkin didn't really have to say much himself during the general election campaign to assure the Trump voters that he was their man. He could focus on other issues in the campaign, which ultimately worked very well for him.
2: All right, let's get to New Jersey. I want to hear your take on that governor's race as well and the sound of uncertainty here from Governor Murphy and Jack Cittarelli. And so listen, sometime real soon, we're going to do this again, like we're doing it right now, and we will declare a victory.
6: We're going to have to wait a little while longer than we had hoped. We're going to wait for every vote to be
2: counted, and that's how our democracy works. That's right. And we're still here, 5.35 Eastern time, waiting for somebody to ring the bell and call this thing. Uh, and boy, you know, in terms of relative strength and even bigger disappointment, if you, if you think of it this way, Joe Biden won New Jersey by 16 points, not the 10 in Virginia. And here you find the governor here who was up low double digits uh, not that long ago, Mark, dead even with a Republican who was expected to lose.
7: And this is what should send shockwaves through the Democratic Party establishment, because these were two elections where the party was set up clearly early on to win, and they did not in one case and probably barely did so in the other. But this was supposed to be a better Democratic year than it turned out to be. But the national political context, of course, did have some impact on these races. Joe Mm -hmm. Biden's declining popularity what happened in Afghanistan on the border, and the general perception among the public that the Democrats in Washington just can't get things done. I think that severely hurt the Democratic brand.
2: Yeah. uh, As far as what's happening right now, though, Mark, in New Jersey, do you still expect the governor to win once all the the mail-ins are counted?
7: I do. Um, and, And, you know, I have to say that with some caution, maybe we'll be surprised. But I've been following what many of the very reliable nonpartisan analysts have been saying and looking at the numbers, and I think they're ready to call it uh, for Governor Murphy at this point.
2: Kind of amazed they haven't yet, to be honest with you. What's been the lesson in New Jersey? That was a very different race than the one we saw in Virginia. It wasn't bogged down with a lot of the cultural issues. They were actually talking about old-fashioned stuff like taxes.
7: Right, and you had an incumbent governor who was saying, you know, I'm not your man if, uh, hmm. if that's your issue. Um, and the Republican challenger saying that he was going to lower taxes in a traditionally high-tax state. And I think that mattered. And, you know, that happened in Virginia as well. Uh, you had the gubernatorial nominee talking about that's getting rid right. of the grocery tax, which that's not a Republican issue. That's something that a lot of people agree with. And inflation um, is a
2: Democratic uh, problem. Mark Rosell, in our last minute then, Look ahead over the course of the next year. Does Glenn Youngkin have the roadmap that Republicans should follow, or did Terry McAuliffe just teach Democrats how not to do it?
7: I think it's a little of both, but I think Youngkin really does have the roadmap in a sense. He has shown that it's possible to be a Trump endorsed candidate, to say that he accepts that endorsement, but then focus on bread and butter Republican Party issues such as crime, public safety, jobs in the economy, taxes, issues where Republicans traditionally have done well, and uh, run on a campaign that's more issue-focused, as he did, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Um, Kevin McCarthy says Republicans can
2: pick up over 60 seats in the midterms. Do you think he's right?
7: Well, that... (laughs) That might be a stretch, but uh, let's just say if the election were held for the midterms last night, that probably would have happened. Wow. Let's see what will happen a year from
2: now. Well, stay in touch with us, Mark Rosell. I'm glad to speak with you. Appreciate your insights. Dean of the shar School of Policy and Government at George Mason University, Mark Rosell.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
1: brings us to
2: school on sound on you're listening to bloomberg sound on with joe matthew on bloomberg radio the result from virginia and, and lack of results i guess we should say from new jersey certainly have people talking on both sides of the aisle here in washington the midterms are officially underway and we reassemble the best panel in the business to talk about it bloomberg Politics contributors. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us now. I want you to hear from uh, two different voices. And we can start with Senator Mark Warner. There's a voice from Virginia expressing, listen to the tone of voice expressing some real concern when he was asked today about what this all means for 2022.
6: I'm worried not just in Virginia, I'm worried across the country. We've got to show that we can deliver in a pragmatic way that affects people's lives. I hope we will take the lessons from Virginia that we need to govern in a pragmatic way and give this president the wins that I think the American people will win by as well.
2: Clearly worried. Who does not sound worried is the minority leader in the U.S. House, the man who hopes to be holding the gavel. After another year from now, listen to Kevin McCarthy.
5: It'll be more than 70 Democrats that will be competitive. There's many that are going to lose their races based upon walking off a cliff from Nancy pelosi pushing him. she may not care to if she loses she lost 63 the last time she was speaker moving policy that the country didn't care for many believe she won't stay around so is she going to be there to defend you are you going to bring president biden in with his policies into your district to defend you
2: <laughs> tough way to make a living rick davis what do you think of the minority leader's math tonight
5: no, his math is pretty good uh, it, it you, you, you haven't gotten the final result out of New Jersey, but I think he's looking That's at true. this saying, okay, if we have the ability to compete in a place like New Jersey, there are probably 20 more house seats than he'd originally thought two or three days ago that were going to be in play. Wow. And I think he's probably right. I mean, the indications we have is that the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer triad are going to stay the course. They, they're talking all day today about passing something they probably should understand is wildly unpopular, and, uh, and and if they lean into a storm, you know, they, they could get blown over.
2: What do you think about that, Jeannie? How, how do you prevent a Speaker McCarthy from happening as a Democrat?
0: I think they have to really pay attention to what the voters, particularly the moderate and independent voters who will decide who has Congress, the House and the Senate next fall. Yeah, we, They need to pay attention to what they were saying in these two races. Well, should they start
2: and- listening to moderate members of the House and Senate?
0: they should they should listen to joe manchin they should listen to josh gottheimer they should listen to mark warner they are absolutely right they need to be to be responding to what people are thinking and feeling and experiencing and going through a lot of these races had to do directly with our experiences in the pandemic and democrats have done a really good job in many ways addressing the pandemic they need to start talking about that and they need to start listening to what people are going through you know uh, Dr. Dean Rosell was right. You know, Youngkin talking about bread and butter issues. That's important. Gasoline tax, grocery tax. One of his big applause lines was that people at the DMV will pick up the phone when you call. I mean, those are the <laughs> kinds of things people care about. And that's what Democrats need to start thinking about. Yes, they care about, you know, child care, taxes, all that stuff. But they need to start listening to and responding to what people are going through now, which is going in the grocery store to empty shelves and high gas taxes Mm -hmm. or high, high gas prices.
2: Rick, if you were still running Republican campaigns, let's say you were just digging into these midterms. Now, would you be rewriting strategies after watching these races and specifically Glenn Youngkin?
5: Yeah, I think that uh, when you look and uh, dissect the Republican turnout in uh, the state and the Democratic turnout, you'd start looking at uh, districts that you otherwise wouldn't put money into, uh, that you believe, well, if Republicans are this motivated and they're going to turn out in these numbers, we're going to we're going to push a couple more districts, you know, into the win column, and 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 that is allocation of resources, uh, focus on recruitment for new candidates in those districts where otherwise, you know, some Republicans may not be uh, planning to run, or at least ones that you think might be competitive. So it's going to affect recruitment, it's going to affect money, it's going to affect. Staffing and teams, mm-hmm. but right now I think the messaging pretty much is uh, find a couple of good local issues to push on, like Yunkin did, but but lean into the the firestorm in Washington right now because. If you were betting that the Democrats weren't going to execute on a plan that was going to be worth trillions of dollars, you'd, you'd be right today. And, and that clearly has some impact. I think there are other things that you can't bake into the equation. Obviously, Afghanistan, the border, these sure. are things that all added to this equation today. But uh, but right now, I, I think if you're a Republican strategist, you're, you're recalibrating things to uh, open up the aperture and look at districts huh. that you otherwise wouldn't see. What if Trump gets real? I'll ask both you guys this, Jeannie. What if Donald Trump does what Terry McAuliffe
2: hoped he would do, start showing up, holding rallies with candidates who want him, who embrace him, who make ads with him? Do Democrats actually get to run the strategy that McAuliffe tried?
0: Oh, that would be a dream for Democrats. Get him back on Twitter, get him talking, get him visiting. <laughs> you know, I, I do have to say this whole idea of Yunkin as a roadmap for other Republicans. Yeah, it's not going to be as easy to replicate as people are saying Why today. Not? And that's because don't forget, Yunkin did not have to run in a primary. If he had to run in a primary, he would have had to run and he would have had to maybe embrace Donald Trump a lot more than he had to. The party in Virginia was smart get it done in a convention. Imagine if they had nominated this Amanda Chase. You know, people call her the Trump in heels. Mm. Much, much tougher for Republicans to win there. Yeah, she calls herself that. And similarly, as you look at New Jersey, you have somebody who wasn't endorsed by Trump. So the more Trump gets involved, the easier it is to use the McCulloch strategy against these candidates. And the harder for Youngkin, the Youngkin-like people to sort of thread this needle of hugging Trump and not hugging Trump. It's not going to be as easy to do as, as it seems, I think.
2: Does Youngkin's success, Rick, cause other Republican candidates then to think twice about inviting Donald Trump or or are we are we about to witness this?
5: Well, I I think the bigger question is um, uh, Donald Trump is already out campaigning against Republicans for his own candidates right i mean point. he's going to pick winners and losers and he wants them especially in his own vision and so i think that it, this will likely light a fire under that operation to say you know what we've got to be actually more aggressive because we're not going to get the benefit of yeah. declaring victory which he didn't do today really um you know when uh, when we don't campaign uh, yeah. i i think the guy who's got to be a little bit nervous is kevin mccarthy who's sort of gotten all in Uh, With this Trump strategy of putting Trump people into these uh, uh, slots, into these candidates, Um, because now he realizes, gosh, you know, like I can actually put uh, more mainstream candidates to work here that might win these districts without having to take the brain damage of running off all these suburban (laughs) voters that Donald Trump will when he comes into town.
2: So if Republicans take control of the House, it sounds like you're not necessarily sold on a Speaker McCarthy either.
5: Well, you know, there's there's still one big foot to drop, and that's this commission uh, uh, on the January 6th uh, attack on the Capitol. And and I think this could have a uh, pretty significant impact on Speaker McCarthy's ambitions to be speaker. Wow. Or minority leader. I got what you meant
2: there. Uh, (laughs) Let's just quickly game out infrastructure and reconciliation. We'll just call it the Biden agenda. Did this make it more likely uh genie for for moderates to to get some action here pass at least the biff or, or maybe start talking about SALT more seriously to get everyone on board.
0: It, it absolutely should. You know, I think that moderates should be listened to. This would be about $3.1 trillion between the American Rescue Plan and the bipartisan infrastructure. Take those wins, go out and sell it in this next year. And and Joe, I just have to say, I'm very happy that you said today is the start officially of midterm election yes. year. You know, we, we love so. it. So, <laughs> so, but I think they should, and I think they may have to. To do, listen to Joe Manchin, put off this Build Back Better a little mm-hmm. bit. In this economic uh, you know, situation we're in with inflation and everything else, adding $1.75 to $6 trillion on top of what they've already spent, yeah. it, it's not going to be a go for independents and moderates who are going to decide this thing.
2: Or take what's on the table, Rick. Does something actually move now?
5: Uh, I, I would hope so. I think that if you're a Senate strategist uh, in the Democrat uh, Party, you, you've just got to assume that you're not going to get um, mansion and cinema to play along with the reconciliation package, and so go back to the house and say, "Do your work. We already passed a perfectly good uh, infrastructure plan. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just pass that and give 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 the president and our party a win?" in a very dark period of time for us so that we can turn the page on this thing. And I, I, it, it, it's beyond my comprehension that the news today is people still fighting over salt, which I think in the most of the country, nobody cares.
2: (laughs) Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano. Did you feel the earth move
3: today? I love you guys. I love you guys. And I want to thank my beloved Commonwealth of Virginia.
1: I feel the earth.
6: I started this campaign 328 days ago.
3: When I told you on that fateful Friday afternoon,
6: I have done an average of seven to 10 events a day for the last 328 days. The conviction
3: had come over my heart to go serve Virginians. You did respond, you responded with grace, you you responded with support.
6: For the doors that you've knocked on, the phone calls that you made, just last weekend, 450,000 doors knocked on, two million during the course of this campaign.
3: You responded with unconditional love. Thank you. Thank you.
6: I look around this room and I see so many friends we've worked with for many years. This is a different state.
3: From the farms of the Shenandoah Valley, to the docks and shipyards of Hampton Roads, to the coal fields in Southwest Virginia.
6: We are the greatest state in the United States of America, and it's because of you. This
3: is our Virginia to build together, and we are going to go to work on day one.
2: The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let The Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
3: Top 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.